Well, good morning. It certainly is, is good to be with you this morning. If, if you file a tax return by April 15th, there's a good possibility you will receive a tax refund. If you plant a garden this spring, you will have vegetables this fall. If you're a driver that's consistently exceeding the speed limit, you're a candidate for a speeding ticket. If you complete eight years of elementary school and four years of high school, you will receive a high school diploma. If you are 16 and a half years old and take a driver's test and pass, might I add, you will receive your driver's license. You could argue, argue some details, all those break down after a while, but this last one does not. If you continue grounded and settled in the faith, the Lord, will pre Jesus Christ, will present you holy and blameless in the sight of God. Turn to Colossians 1. <clears throat> We're going to continue through our study there. The two-letter word, if, might be short, but it carries a significant amount of weight. The title for the message this morning is taken from verse 23, if you continue in the faith. I think we'll read verses 19 through 23 from Colossians chapter 1. Verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet hath now he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. If you continue in the faith. A, little, a short review. All Christians, as believers, we are saints with faith in the Lord, we're walking worthy, and we're called to a high level of holiness. We are thankful that the Lord has qualified us to be together with Him in glory. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. Through Jesus Christ, we are redeemed and forgiven for our past sin. Today, we are serving Jesus who is the image of God. He is the Creator. He was before all in time. By Him all things consist, verse 17. Jesus is in control of the entire universe. He is the head of the church, verse 18. To sum it up, Jesus Christ is everything. He is everything that we need. The songwriter says, Wisdom, righteousness, and power, holiness forevermore. My redemption, full and sure, He is all that I need. And we get to that, we say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And we also comment and say, what a mighty God we serve. Then we jump into verse 19. It pleased the Father that him should all fullness dwell. 
This verse is perhaps the strongest affirmation in Scripture of Christ's nature. We go back to verse 15 and we say, oh, he is the image of God. Jesus is the perfect resemblance of God. And we're able to get a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is by our relationship. We're able to get a clear picture of our Heavenly Father through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now this verse is saying that all the fullness of God dwells in him. John 10, verse 30, I and my Father are one, words of Jesus Christ. I and my Father are one. Jesus is God in all completeness. We recognize him for who he is. Yeah, some called him a master, a teacher, a rabbi, and other notable names, which he is. But Jesus Christ is not mere man, nor is he simply a teacher, nor is he an angel, nor another celestial being. Jesus Christ is fully God. Jesus Christ is fully God, absolute perfection and deity. He has divine nature. John helps us out in John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is the Word? Who is the Word? It's Jesus Christ. John's saying Jesus Christ is the Word. And John 1.14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So Paul explains it this way in verse 19. It pleased Father God that in Jesus Christ should all fullness dwell. They, them two, are one. So how is it possible? Well, Jesus Christ is the second person in the Trinity. And God sent him to become man to live among us. Now we're talking about the Gospels there. And while he was on this earth he, and dwelling among us, he was fully man at the same time fully God. So how can you be two at the same time? Our minds are programmed to conclude that two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Neither can we think two different thoughts at the same time. Nor can we be two different places at the same time, although many times we try to be. Yet the Holy Bible tells us that Jesus, an eternal member of the Trinity, what did he do? He took upon himself the flesh of a human while he was still fully God. Why? So he could die for our sin. What's the reason? In order to restore mankind's relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ, God and man, servant and savior. So here we have two complete natures existing without confusion, without change, without division, and without separation, all in one person. And that is the Jesus Christ that we read about in the Gospels. So uh, he cannot be called either or. He must be called both. He is the son of man and he is the son of God. He is fully God, he is fully human, and he is completely divine. When I first read verse 19, I didn't realize what was packed in there. But here we have Jesus Christ in dwelling in the fullness of God. And we say, thank you, thank you, Jesus. It pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. First, uh, second point we see in verse 19, in verse 20, and having, the, the point is, made peace. And having made peace through his blood on the cross. I'm going to read two verses from, uh, thinking about peace, I'm going to read two verses from Genesis and uh, to get our minds thinking here. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, speaking of Adam here, and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. 
The picture there is when Adam was expelled from the Garden of Eden, that perfect garden that God had created. So does them, do them verses sound like a peaceful setting? Absolutely not. Man had sinned and was separated from God. So now we can get the picture of a major gap between a holy God and sinful man. But through this all, well, after that happened, God had a desire to restore that relationship with man. And that's where the mission of Jesus Christ comes into the picture. The shed blood of Jesus Christ, verse 20, made peace. Jesus Christ abridged that gap between eternal death and eternal, between ever, yeah, eternal death and eternal life by sacrificing his life on the cross of Calvary and followed later by his resurrection three days later. Jesus Christ made peace. Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. He canceled the sin debt that was due. It was a debt that only he could pay. And Jesus gave his life to span that gap between a holy God and a sinful man. And in that, thus making peace. His shed blood, he made peace. Um, a key fact in this picture is that even though Jesus Christ made peace, those who reject the sacrifice he made are still, to this day, living at odds with God. Jesus uh, sacrificed his life for all, and those who reject that are still living at odds with God. The, but the fact remains, Jesus Christ, he made peace. But another point to consider is John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So that verse is not a blanket statement for all. But the, the key phrase in that verse is whosoever believeth. Remember at the beginning we started with a few statements starting with the word if. If you are grounded and settled in the faith, the Lord Jesus Christ will present you holy and blameless in the sight of God. If you want a driver's license, you will need to pass a test. So think about what it all narrows down to. Maybe not everything in life, but many things boil down to the choices that we make. comes back to the word if. If you choose to do this, the result will be thus. It comes back to what you decide to do. The state of Pennsylvania will not force you to get a driver's license, but they do present the opportunity that if you want to drive on our paved roads, you need to make the choice to get a license. If you choose to do so, here's the blessings that are going to follow. The Lord will not force you to serve him. But the blessings will follow those who make the choice to become one of his dear children. If you choose, if you follow, if you remain, continue grounded and settled into faith, this is what he will do for you. He has fulfilled his part. He made peace with his shed blood. And the question for us this morning, are we, you and I, are we going to continue in the faith? First of all, we have to make that choice. Yes, I will accept Christ as my Savior. Then are we going to continue in the faith? Having made peace through his blood on the cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. To reconcile is to reunite man with God. Here again, it's not a universal salvation. We go back to the choices that we're talking about. In 2 Peter 2.9, we see God is not God's will that anyone should perish, but what? All come to repentance. God desires that every person makes a choice to believe in his son, the one that he sent to bridge that gap. If we decide 
to follow him. A few verses to get your mind thinking again. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9. And you, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. There we see a sad picture for those who reject the blood of Jesus Christ. But the other picture is those who accept his plan of salvation will be reunited, reconciled as it's used here with God. The saints or the believers that we see in verse 2 have no reason to fear death, nor do we fear the day of judgment. In fact, those who are living for the Lord and continuing in the faith are looking forward to that day when we can meet Jesus Christ face to face and then there we can dwell with Him in eternity. So we kind of flip-flop flop back between the good and the bad and then we get to the the third point, which is verse 21, and I label this the reminder. And Paul reminds us who we were. Verse 21, and you that were sometime enemies in your mind caused by your wickedness. The born again child of God is reconciled. Yes, but Paul takes his time to tell us, remind us where we had been who we were, and what we were delivered from, back in verse 13. Many times I think it does us good to be reminded, lest we forget the great love that Christ has for us. We were, myself included, at one time alienated and enemies to God. Why? Go back to the choices. We made choices that were wicked, which was caused by our wickedness. Verse 21 is not a selection of words that we use every day, but it doesn't change the facts of who we once were. So I think it does us well to consider the fact that we were born alienated from God. We were an enemy of God prior to our being reconciled. Remember the gap. We were enemies. God was over here. We couldn't reach him. Shed blood came along, Jesus Christ. Now we have been reconciled, and he bridge that gap. Before we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were rebellious and involved in wicked works. Titus 3.3 For we ourselves were sometimes, words of uh, the Bible here, we were sometimes foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were serving divers' lusts and pleasures, we were living in malice and envy, we were hateful and hating one another. Let's not forget who we were and the difference that Jesus made in our lives. Not a pretty picture to think about, but during that chapter of our lives, Titus 3, 3, we were in our, we were, our lives displeased God. We were considered his enemy. We were living in rejection to his prompting call. Remember we say how the Lord knocks on our heart? Will you accept me? And when that came, we, we, we refused it. We were living in rejection. But the picture completely changes when we made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Verse 23, if you continue in the faith, everything changes. Our Heavenly Father, after that happened, our Heavenly Father credited the perfection and righteousness of Jesus Christ, His perfect, her perfection and righteousness, He credited that to our account. 
I asked a question this morning, uh, well, after Sunday school, I asked, why did Job have to happen? And we can learn a lot from Job, don't get me wrong. But here we see, why did Jesus do that for us? Sinful man as we were, God said, okay, the perfection and righteousness of Jesus Christ, I'm gonna just going to credit that to you, your account and to my account. Here, guys, here's some free credits. And because of that, we received a new standing before a holy God and is defined as being reconciled and, be re, and being reunited with him. And because of what Jesus Christ did for us, guess what? We're greatly blessed and highly flavored, favored in the eyes of God. That's going to another point, verse 22. Holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. You know, as was mentioned before, Jesus paid that sin debt for us. He, he took our invoice and paid it in full with his blood. And remember, the invoice that he paid was only one that he could pay. The payment that was due was impossible for us to clear. Did you ever have, I'm, I hope we didn't, ever have a debt that we just simply could not pay? That's, how, that's where we were at. And Jesus was aware of our lost condition. And he looked down at mankind and said, well, they can't do it on their own, which is right. So what did he do? He, he willingly gave or offered his life, his blood, to pay for the amount that was due. He sacrificed his life to appease God's wrath that was caused by our wickedness, our choices, as we see back in verse 21. He cleared our accounts. We have been forgiven. But his death and resurrection accomplished more than just paying our sin debt. Because he was willing to die, he is able to do what? To present us, to reconcile us, to re reunite us to God in pure state. So notice our standing before, before God in verse 22. In, uh, to present you and I holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in the sight of God. So remember the darkness that we were involved in in verse 21. We were enemies and alienated by our wicked works. And now our condition in verse 22, we have been reunited with God. Holy means we're separated from the unclean. So verse 21, we see filth and dirt. Verse 22, we see uh, it's pure, clean, and holy. So we consider that and we remember we have been justified. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. And that ties in well with verse 22. To be justified can be described as made just as if we had never sinned. How is that possible? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. That was his mission. To reconcile, to bridge that gap, to reunite, to, to bring man back to God. The word reconcile carries quite an accomplishment and change. We went from being filthy sinner, sinners and enemies of God to being a child of God. If, you, if you're a child, guess what? You're brought into a family. You're included in God's family. And he takes it a step further. Now we're called heirs. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Wow. Now we're, part, we're going to share in part of the inheritance. And joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We went from alienated in verse uh, 21 to brought right in to the family of God. We were outcasts, 
to be in part to be in people who are going to receive part of the inheritance. We went from living in darkness to the day when Christ returns and we can live with Him in glory forever. Drastic changes in our life. Why? What changed? The shed blood of Jesus Christ. In verse 13, we saw we were translated from a sinner to a saint. Here we see from an enemy to a son and a daughter. And then if that's not enough, you're considered holy in the eyes of God. And again, we stop and just say, thank you, Jesus. Sometimes we have to stop and just go back and remember who we were or where we were at in life. And the change that Christ made in our hearts, not saying that we don't, that we ever forget about it, but sometimes we just need to be reminded. So we're back in, uh, in reconciled with God, good relationship, we're holy. Second standing we have here with God, we're blameless. And how many times do we wish we could, that we'd fit into this category? We're without blemish. Looked upon as being without a flaw. Then we think of our who we are. We're like, how is this possible? It's because we are identified with a perfect Jesus, with a perfect Christ. You know, a blessing we might find it hard to accept, but here again we say thank you. The third standing we see we're irreproachable, which means free of guilt, because uh, in Christ our sins have been covered by the blood, and we have been forgiven from dirty to pure. No, no, uh, blameless, no, and without guilt. A guilty dog will stick his tail between his legs as he walks away. A guilty person will struggle to look you in the eyes when you're talking to him. But because of the suffering and intense pain that Jesus Christ endured on the cross today, God looks at you and I as above reproach. If you continue grounded and settled in the faith, the Lord Jesus Christ will present you holy and blameless in the sight of God. The blessings are listed over and over again. If, we'll get to verse 23 here very shortly, all who accept Jesus Christ as a Savior will be credited with the personalities of holiness. You will be blameless and above reproach. And as we grow in our Christian life, our actual conduct will become more and more like the character and the person of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the purpose of reconciliation is personal holiness. The purpose of reconciliation is personal holiness. We need to, as Paul said, forget the things which are behind and moving on to the things which are before. I shudder at the thought of people who knew me when I was a teenager because I don't want them to bring up some things that happened way back in the day. That is in the past, under the blood, and we can press forward in personal holiness. Again, it's making choices. What are you going to do this afternoon, tomorrow, throughout the week? What are, you, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you watching? Are you conducting your life to become more and more like the character and person of Jesus Christ? Are your choices you're making today, will they guide you in the way of more holy, to becoming a holier person? More and more and more like Christ. That's what he desired for you and I. That's why he said, okay, I will die for you. I will reconcile you to God. And now today we have a, a requirement. We're going to grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. 
It has been said, it's not where you're at sometimes as much as the direction you're headed. So I'll ask you the question, what direction are you headed in? Are you going through life taking by roads and side roads occasionally? Or are you headed on the straight and narrow, which leads to him? The choices that we make make a big difference in where we will, be, we will end up. The purpose of reconciliation is personal holiness. We have been reconciled. We have been reunited with God, with God followed by life driven towards holiness. Yes, God's well aware of where we were and who, who we were, where we were at before we met his son, Jesus Christ. But he proposed a plan to bring dramatic change into the lives of all who say yes to Jesus Christ. And I think if we have a sharing time, I think we would all say that he made a change in my life. He made a difference. I'm not the person who I used to be. We got a call this week from someone who said, will you hire me? And he had to add, I'm not the person I used to be. We won't go into any details. He said, I changed. Have we changed in our walk with the Lord? A, a changed life is evidence of genuine salvation. People who, who knew you 10 years ago, 20 years, 30, whatever age bracket you're in, do they say you are a changed person? Or are people today questioning your salvation? Or do people see you and say, that man and that lady has been with God? Verse 23, for the last point, if you continue in the faith. So we started out, and one of the questions was, if you plant a garden in the spring, you have vegetables in the fall. Well, that sounded kind of simple. But do you see the requirements that fall on the shoulders of the gardener? If you wait until the soil is dry and warm, if you till the soil and prepare a suitable seed bed, if you make nice straight rows and, and uh, with the correct depth, if you plant the correct amount of seeds at the correct distance apart in each row, if you gently cover the seeds with nice soft soil, removing the rocks as you go, if you make sure the seeds get plenty of moisture, if you carefully remove the weeds without uprooting the seeds and the plant roots, if you wait until the harvest, before you harvest, and then only will you receive uh, plenty of vegetables. And just this week, some lady told me the worst thing you could have in your garden, if you have it, the worst thing you have in your shed, if you have a garden, is a rototiller, which I, I didn't tell her I disagree with her, but that's besides the point. But there are so many things that go into it. If the gardener waits and does everything right, then he will have uh, plenty to eat at, in the fall. And Paul just gave us a list of benefits and blessings that Jesus Christ will pour out on all those who love and obey and believe in him. He said, this is what Jesus Christ will do for you. And then he says, then we have the requirement in verse 23. If you continue grounded and settled in the faith, the Lord Jesus Christ will present you holy and blameless in the sight of God. Verse 23, grounded, settled, and unmoved. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. We look back over the, the previous a number of verses, and we see what Jesus has done for us. And I hope it, it tugs at our heart and makes a difference in the character and the choices that we make in life. And maybe now is a good time for another reminder. You know, Every day, I think Drew mentioned this earlier, every day we stand in need of our Lord and Master. Every day we turn to him 
for direction and guidance. Every day we stand in need of forgiveness and we look to Him for uh, mercy and blessing. And we are a needy people living each day in, with, in expectation of eternity where we will meet the Lord and be judged by our Father God. Sometimes we sing, Is my name written there on the page white and fair? In the book of thy kingdom, is my name written there? You know, we, we think about, about eternity. And in the light of eternity, remember Jesus' words in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And sometimes we stop there and we say, Amen. Jesus is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. But then Jesus continued that verse and He, he said, No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. So each one here this morning, looking, looking forward to eternity, we have one way to, uh, to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. Then we stop and we, and we say again, uh, thank you, Jesus. And then we look at verse 23, and we see that Jesus has promised so much, so, so much for those who are faithful. Saints here this morning, I have uh, words of encouragement, and that is simply this, continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. We mentioned in our Sunday school lesson that Job was, well, I'm not sure how far, but he was very, very close to death. And he said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And I'm not sure if any one of us will have to go through what Job went through, but are we going to continue through the trials, through the temptations, through whatever comes our way, are we going to continue in the faith? Why is the Lord taking us through what he's taking us through sometimes? I can't answer every question. But I do know that heaven's going to be worth it all if you continue in the faith. We must be grounded and steadfast. To be grounded is to be firmly established, to have a deep, solid foundation. Are we rooted and grounded? Do we know the doctrines of the faith? Do we know the one that we believe in? The philosophy of many is to believe something, simply something. Go to church, be kind to your neighbors, have a religion. It doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you believe in something. And those who have this have no sure faith, no clear belief system. They tend to be negligent in the way they live their Christian life. And with this type of belief, there's no grounding in God's word. We need to be firmly established in the truth of the gospel. Steadfast is speaking of contentment. One who is not swayed by every wind of doctrine that comes along. How many times throughout the week do, do you receive a, a questionable email? In our, in our office we're told, never open those emails. But how many times do you receive one? And what's your response? My response is red X. Quickly, just delete it rather than open it because you know it's a scam. And it's the same way in life with questionable theology. Do we spend time thinking about it, reasoning, considering the content when we know it's wrong? Or do we delete it and move on with a more profitable conversation? Many times in the Bible, what are we told? The New Testament, we're told to be aware of what? Of who? The false teachers. Those who are going to attack us from different angles. Church, be grounded and be steadfast. Continue in the word. Some who once stood for the truth are, are drifting into liberalism and worldliness, no longer content with the simple obedience of the gospel message. Other people we, hear, we know get involved in the cults, 
or one of the, the, the fringe moments. This morning, here today, are we deceived by false teaching or are we grounded in the truth of the gospel? Are we deceived, and I trust we're not, or are we grounded, firmly planted in the truth of the gospel? If you continue in the faith, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Why did Paul write that? Why did Paul tell the Myerstown church this morning, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel? And the answer is clear, because of the danger of falling away from the faith. The danger is there. If there could be no falling away, the Lord would not have inspired Paul to write it and uh, such a warning. We mentioned um, a driver's test at the beginning here. If you want a driver's license, you need to, pay to pass a test. Well, here we see uh, a real test of the genuine conversion is to, be able, is to resolve to continue in the faith and persevere in Jesus Christ. I think what Damien mentioned that if, if you give up easy, there was no commitment there. It's the same way with our spiritual lives. Well, I'll follow the Lord as long as it's always 50 degrees and sunshine. And no, that's not how it goes in life. How do we respond to the, to the other times as well? So as we consider these previous verses, we see it's our responsibility to what? To hold fast. Because of everything that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. He gave his all for you and for I. For me, he gave us everything. And what's going to be our response? Are we going to continue and hold fast? Are we going to continue living a life of holiness and not be drawn away by false teaching? <clears throat> the, the certainty of the promise that we see in verse 22 is true. That all disciples will be presented holy and blameless in God's eyes. But that does not allow any room for complacency. We need to continue and to press on. The hope of the gospel in verse 23 is referring to the glorious expectation that our salvation will be full and complete at the time of the Lord's return. And we could put an exclamation point there, but we, we need to add, if we remain faithful. All the promises in the God's word are there for those who remain faithful. A faithful dedicated service to the Lord will prevent a falling away from the truth of the gospel. Maybe add uh, the word that Damon used, committed. A faithful, committed, dedicated service to the Lord is going to prevent a falling away. Well, I'm tempted. You will be tempted as long as you have life. You will be tempted. You may have friends come to you and, and uh, have 30-some verses of their, of their quote-unquote encouragement. And at the end, it'd say, I know my Redeemer liveth. And just press on. The ultimate goal of the devil is to trick us and deceive us so we fall away from the Lord. And the real question for us today is, who are you serving and who are you grounded in? If you continue grounded and settled in the faith, the Lord Jesus Christ will present you holy and blameless in the sight of God. Who are you serving and who are you grounded in? John, 1 John 4, 4. <clears throat> Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you continue grounded and settled in the faith, I can assure you, you are on the winning side. You will win. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So in conclusion, my thoughts went to the song, um, 
you don't have to sing this, Demetrius. It's just what I thought about. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. Then the, the words later is what really uh, got my attention. And how true it is. All other ground is sinking sand. Are your feet on the solid rock rooted and grounded and you're continuing in the faith? If not, you're, on, you're standing on quicksand. Which don't go stand on it just while listen to what I can do. You just, just, just go down. But on Christ the solid rock we can stand. And also just, re, just a quick reminder that glory is waiting for all who stand fast and continue in the truth of the gospel. Shall we pray? Lord, we just come before you here this morning and we just say thank you, God, for the truth which we have here. And thank you, Lord, for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you saw us when we were dirty, filthy sinners, but you brought us into a pure standing with you that we can be holy and blameless and above reproach. Thank you again for Jesus Christ and for his willingness to give his life for my sins, for our sins. I pray for each soul here this morning that each one who has made a commitment will continue in the faith. And I pray there of those here this morning who do not know you, that they will make that decision to accept you as their personal Savior. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. Give us wisdom and direction throughout our lives. In your name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Demetrius, we have a song, please. <clears throat> I think we'll sing it anyway if that's okay. Number 482 in Christian Hymnal. Number 482. Mm -hmm. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy being of Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. Seems to 
Psalm 94, 22, but the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. God bless you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming out. Trust you have a wonderful week. Let's have a closing prayer. Lord, we just thank you that you are always there for us. I pray, Lord, that we can just remain uh, rooted and grounded in your family. Thank you for the wonderful blessings you have poured out on those who love you. And I pray you just be with us. Give us direction as we go about our days. Help us, Lord, to be a good light, a good witness, and a testimony for others so others can know that we have been with you. Dismiss us with your blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.